Well, the NFL draft, it is underway, but uh, never mind that because it's time for the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust, proud legacy partner of the Chicago Cubs and exclusive home to Chicago Cubs checking. You can open online today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs Weekly. And like I said, the first round of the NFL draft, it is underway. And boy, did it go down in grand fashion. The Chicago Bears, well, they surprised pretty much everybody as they made the trade up and who'd they take? Well, they took a showstopper. They took Justin Fields from the Ohio State University. And uh, Andy Martinez and Tony Andraki, they're rolling with me today. And uh, guys, I want to pick your brain first things first before we get into all that Chicago Cubs action. But how about the Bears, Tony, going with Justin Fields? This is a guy who not only can he win games, but he can win big games. We've seen him in some of the biggest stages in all of college football. And for the Chicago Bears to finally have a quarterback that people are like, okay, if this guy plays at his full potential, then there's a chance that they can win a Super Bowl. The Bears have been in a Super Bowl-type situation before, but they haven't been there with a chance to win because of their quarterback. And Justin Fields, he gives you that shot to win, maybe not immediately, but at some point. Yeah, I mean, and he gives you a chance to win so many different ways, too, with his leg, with his with his arms. Like, you know, he, he brings the whole – um, the whole element to, to the quarterbacking position. But I also, this is the Tony, most. Excited. You said he could, he could help you with his leg. Like he's an amputee. He has just <laughs> one leg. Justin Fields is incredible. You could see, you should have seen him before they had to cut his leg off below the knee. No, no I, I know what could, you're saying. He could win a game just on his left leg alone, Cole. That's, yeah. that's so good. Yep. He is right leg too. If, if he felt like it, but no, his legs plural uh, and his, his <laughs> right arm, his one arm. But this is the most excited I think, you know, I've been about a Bears draft pick since 2017. Like, I admit I love the Mitch pick. I thought it was good. I didn't like that they traded up for it. But I thought Mitch was going to be a good quarterback. And obviously – Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, Tony. I knew that what? was going to work here, Cole. No disrespect to Mitch Trubisky, but you like that pick? You like the way that the San Francisco 49ers bamboozled the Chicago Bears and made them move up one spot? And a guy that only played less than 14 games in college football, you like that pick? I was fine with it if they thought they had the guy, right? Like, I don't care what the Bears gave up here if they think Fields is the guy. I, I mean, why wouldn't they think that? At the time, obviously, yeah, you know, you have Mahomes, you have Watson. I thought they were trading up to get Watson. I thought Watson was going to be the guy that they wanted to go for. They went for Mitch. I liked Mitch a lot. I thought he was going to be a good pick. I thought he certainly could be, like, the guy for this team. Didn't turn out that way. But, I mean, I was certainly hyped for the pick. But, like, last night, you know, going into – going into the, the NFL draft, I was like, there's no way this isn't going to be entertaining. I don't really care much about this. I'm just sitting here watching the Cubs game. And then, yeah, like they, they trade up, they make that pick. And I was like, wow, this is, this is really exciting. Like this is, this is something, you know, it, it was, there was like a little bit of like um, apathy. I didn't, I just didn't care a ton about it. And then I'm like, bears are trading up to, to number 11. And then it's like, whoa, fields is still on the board and I'm putting this all together watching the Cubs game too. And I just thought it was exciting. And I think it, there's a lot of hope and excitement and buzz around Chicago right now. So yeah, so many people that are Cubs fans, I think care a ton about this pick. Well, Andy, I heard what Tony said. He said, I like Mitch a lot, but I'm going to act like he said, I like Mitch a lot you know, you know, the, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. There we go. some tomato yep. juice and, you know, oh, yeah. some little clamato in there. That, that's what he said. He, I like Mitch a That's what I heard. Mitch too. a lot. That's, that's exactly what I heard. Cause uh, he, he may be a man on an Island when he says he liked that Mitch Trubisky pick. Cause I don't know anybody from sea to shining sea. That's a Chicago bears fan that liked that Mitch Trubisky pick, but either way, how, how do you feel about Justin Fields? I mean, this, this guy right here, he already has a built-in nickname. Soldier Fields, just like that. Yeah, I'm right there with Tony. I was like, I think with the Jake Marisnik home run, 
um, against against the Braves had just happened, and I was like focused on that, and and you know watching some high there's some replays of that, and then I'm starting to see oh my gosh the Bears traded up, and so then I'm, I'm I, you know I'm going back and forth like oh my gosh the the Marizic hit a home run the Cubs are winning like trying to pay attention to that and trying to pay attention to the draft it was like you know sc- multiple screen watching for sure. Uh, and and it was ex- it's exciting. It brought a lot of excitement. I mean, it was a, it was a good day in Chicago. The Cubs win. Uh, the Bears hopefully got their franchise quarterback. I mean, you couldn't ask for more uh, for in terms of a Chicago sports day uh, in April. Yeah, if you're Andy Dalton though, you were sitting at the house like hey, the whole what, what's going on with the draft? The Bears moved up to eleven, and oh man, <laughs> yeah, oh, it's like the Mike Lennon feeling, right? Like yeah. they just traded up. To get yeah, Mr. I mean, Risky. But if you're Andy Dalton, you have to feel pretty good because last year, and not to dig in a man's pockets, but last year in Dallas, I, if, I, if I'm right, I believe he was making $3 million. The Bears, for some reason, said, hey, let's pay this dude $7 million more than he was making for the Dallas Cowboys last year. So to get a $7 million raise and then to say, hey, you know what? Maybe I won't have to do as much work as I thought I was expected to do. I'm, I'm sure he's feeling pretty good about that workload that's, that's coming ahead because all he's going to have to do is just, hey, Justin, here, do this. And uh. I'm just going to have a seat around week seven, eight, nine, maybe, and let you take the reins, and then we'll see from there. But uh, let's get into the Cubs talk, guys, because we, we've seen a few different lineups, but surprisingly so, Tony, the Cubs have some of the fewest different lineups in all of Major League Baseball, which is, like I said, kind of surprising because it seems like every single day you're tuning in and you're seeing a different lineup, whether it be Jake Marisnik in center field or Ian Happ playing the big field. Uh, Anthony Rizzo leading off Wilson Contreras in the two hole, or maybe he's hitting one. It, it doesn't really matter. Nico Horner, he's at the top. Then he's batting eighth. I mean, there seem to be so many different varieties of this lineup, but right now the one that seems to stick is the one we saw last night or some form of it of a Thursday night game. When we saw Jake Marisnik, I mean, he, he had some pop Matt Duffy in the three hole. A lot of people are like, Oh, well, who in the world is Matt Duffy? Well, Matt Duffy, Oh, by the way, is a 2015 runner up to Chris Bryant for rookie of the year. So to see this cat get in here and have quality at bats, it's just exactly what we've been talking about all year long. When you go up there and you put the ball in play, I, I, I know I'm a fan of the small ball and not necessarily saying that these guys are playing small ball, but with the quality at bats, they're taking free passes. They're going the other way with it. That's what you want to see out of this lineup. Yeah, it is. And Duffy is really a, a huge key to that. He's a guy that has always made a lot of contact and, you know, he, he talked about it too, after the Mets series that, he said there is a, such a thing as not good contact. Like he earlier in the, one of the games against the Mets, he grounded into a hard double play because he hit it right into the shift. But he also is a guy that's really tough to shift against because we've seen him beat the shift a couple times where he doesn't hit a ground ball super hard. It's not like he hits a rocket line drive or anything, but he sneaks it just past the second baseman who's playing a little bit more up the middle as they do against a lot of right-handed hitters. So yeah, you know, Duffy and, and just the ability, we see him all the time. He doesn't chase a lot. He doesn't swing at it, swing and miss a ton, which is a different element to this team. So yeah, Duffy certainly brings something else. And he's not a guy that's going to start every day or, or even maybe six days a week for the rest of the year, assuming everybody else is healthy and assuming, you know, when Jack Peterson returns, but I think he's a guy that can start two, three times a week for this team moving forward and bring that different element, that contact, that little bit of small ball to, to even out with all these other big boppers, with all these power hitters that are in the lineup and differentiate, diversify the lineup a little bit. So, yeah, I think Duffy's a piece moving forward. Um, I don't think he's going to be an everyday piece, but to your point about the lineup stability, that's something that David Ross heard the feedback on, that guys wanted 
to the lineup to be a bit more stable from day to day uh, when he came in as manager before 2020. So I think you're going to see that. But when Jock does return and you have all these pieces that you need to get playing time, that's where we're going to see different changes because a guy like Hat might be on the bench or a guy like Jock might be on the bench and, and Duffy's in there, or Bryant's in the outfield or something else to get all these pieces together. Yeah, Andy, I don't know about you, man, but I'm, I'm a big fan of Matt Duffy. And if, if he has to play five, six days a week and he continues to have solid at-bats, then so be it. If you can get Matt Duffy, Jake Marisnik, Nico Horner, and Eric Sogard into this lineup, that kind of breaks up that the big bopper mentality. There's not as many guys who are, are, are looking to hit the ball out of the ballpark. Like we saw just the other day, Eric Sogard, they were shifting on him. What did he do? Oh, I'll just, I'll just take this free hit over that way and, and just flip it over there with a nice little fillet shot. And, and that's what you want to see when, when these guys are getting on base, they're taking free passes and they're putting the ball in play. It just moves everybody over. And when you see that, you know, that, that, that link in the chain, that, that next man up mentality, it's, it's, it's fun to watch. I mean, not to discount home runs. Those are fun to watch too, but I mean, uh, home runs of the solo variety, they seem to be rally killers. And right now when this team is scoring, when they score four or more runs, they more than times than not, they win. They're nine and two. And when they score six or more, they're five and one. So, they're not always scoring all those runs just via the home run. They're also getting it done with these role players, a guy like Matt Duffy, like a Jake Marisnik, like a Nico Horner, who's really jumped on the scene and, and let everybody know that maybe he should have been there from day one. Yeah. And, and the, the beauty about Matt Duffy, like you mentioned, is just the, the different approach. I was looking up some of his advanced numbers here. I got it. I, Tony, Tony loves when I bring up the advanced numbers, but um his zone swing percentage. So the amount of times the pitch is thrown in the zone that he swings at is this year in 2021 is 55.8% of the time. So 55.8% of the time the is in the, in the zone, he's going to swing at it. But what's amazing about that, the, the amount of times he makes contacts on those pitches, 95.3. So he's going up there with a plan. If he's looking middle in, he's going to make contact on a middle end pitch. If he's looking, you know, outside uh, in the zone, he's going to make contact. Like he's, he's going to make contact on the pitches he wants. And then what's even like, what's even more, I guess, in a way beautiful about the way Matt Duffy is hitting is his chase percentage, 17.2%. So only 17.2% uh, of the time he's hitting, is he chasing pitches outside of the zone? And when he is, his contact rate is 82.4. So when he's looking at pitches outside of the zone, he's going to make contact on them like he is just a, a professional hitter, right? Like it's so cliche. It's so, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. Like he's not a flashy player. He's not, he's not going to do some of the things that Javi Baez can do or Anthony Rizzo can do, but the dude just puts the ball in play, which a lot of times that's all you need. I mean, you think about the Atlanta, the RBI he had against the Braves in the, in the finale. I mean, that was such a weak grounder, but he hit it where they're, where they're not. Like he, he hits it where they're, where they're, the defense the is it. And that, that drove in a run. It's just such a different approach, and I at, I was very skeptical of him at the, in the three spot when it's when it first started happening. And as you watch his at bats, and as you watch what he's doing at the plate, like he is succeeding in that role. And I don't think he can do it over the course of a hundred if he plays one hundred and fifty games if it, that's you know sustainable. But two two or three times, four times a week, like a hundred percent, it's worth it to have that bat in the three hole or or wherever um, to diversify the lineup that the Cubs have for sure. But it's crazy, though, Andy, you just break down all these numbers like the guy doesn't swing at bad pitches. He, his, his contact rate is this, that and the other. But 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 hold on a second. <laughs> he couldn't do it every single day if he's having these quality at bats. So what would be holding him back from being able to go out there and, and seize this opportunity? Because that's all I'm seeing from this guy. I mean, I, honestly, you know, if they don't like Nico in that one hole, 
I mean, Matt Duffy's a perfect candidate. I mean, he's, he takes pitches, he takes walks, he, he gets base knocks, he hits it where it's pitched, he just puts it through the other side. That's what you want from a leadoff hitter, a guy that sets the table, and that's what we're seeing right now from Matt Duffy. And I was just going to say, I think the one thing that, that David Ross has mentioned in his stress is that, you know, when his guys that he can uh, rely on, that he knows what they can do over a full 162, like he knows that those guys are going to come around. He knows that Jack Peterson is going to come around. He knows that some of these other guys, Javi Baez, Wilson Contreras, those guys are going to come around and do put up the numbers that they are. And the, 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 I guess, knock, if you want to go for it with Matt Duffy is that he hasn't done it um, outside of that rookie of the year season for a full 162 at the, at the level that the other guys have done it. So maybe that's the reason, but it's, it's like, you know, if he keeps doing it, you're right, Cole. Like it's tough to say like, Hey, like, you know, three or four days, but um, just given the, 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 the small sample size and given, you know, you would think eventually maybe pitchers figure them out. I don't know the, 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 the you just want to balance it out and you don't want to over rely on one thing for sure from him, but I'm, I'm with you. It's a, it's a tough balance. Like where, when do you say, Hey, maybe this is an everyday thing. Or, or when do you say like, Hey, like this is our secret weapon where we use it a couple of times uh, a week. And Tony, what do you say? How, how long does track record, you know, buy guys playing time at the end of the day, the re- this is a results driven industry. And if Matt Duffy's getting results or Jake Marizic's getting results or Sogard or Nico or however it plays out over, you know, a guy like David Bodie or Ian Happ or whatever, then yeah, that is where you want to think about it a little bit more from Ross's perspective. So I, I think the small sample size here is a key, something Andy brought up when it comes to Duffy, but I like your point, Cole. And I honestly hadn't even really thought about that to have Duffy lead off like that when they're trying, when they're searching for that, when Happ is kind of searching for his swing and getting back to the 2020 version of himself, why not throw Duffy in there to lead off every now and then, or especially against lefties. So I, I think Duffy either way is a guy that can be a piece to this team. And at 30 years old, he is who he is, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't have any room to grow. Like he is a guy that can still, you know, take a lot of walks, not chase, do all of these different things that is sustainable over time because he's shown that in the past as well. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, there's small sample size. I don't think he's going to have a 440 on base percentage for the rest of the year, but he is a guy that deserves to be hitting towards the top of the order right now with the way he's swinging it and the way that he's not swinging at pitches outside the zone. You know, I, I love you young guys, man, because you're all about the, the, the newfangled statistics. And I, I feel like, you know, they, they've always been around. But it's like if you if you talk with somebody that's a 30 to 32 or, or below, the, the first stats that they bring up, OBP, OPS, slugging percentage. And no one ever brings up hits, batting average, like home runs. It's the, the old school stats that will win you a triple crown. It's, it's all about the OPS, the OPS plus, the, the war, the slugging plus. Like what? So, some of these stats seem so convoluted. It's like I feel like Scott Morris is the one dude that came up with all these stats to make it make an argument. Like this is why my guy is better than a guy who he's not better than. But his numbers say that he is because we've crunched all these numbers and we've put all these through the grinder. And it shows that, well, if, if he would have done this or if this guy wasn't playing, that makes him better like. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just an old dude, you know, wearing the, the turtleneck and, and the fanny pack in the club looking like the rock, man. But uh, you know, well, there, there's something to be said for, for hits and getting I know on base percentage and walks that they, they all go hand in hand. But give me a guy who's going to get knocks every day of the week. I'll put in my lineup, Tony. I, I think you're right on that. But the reason why people don't talk about hits is because the guys aren't getting hits. I mean, it, we've well, seen which this, is, which is a problem. 
It is. I 100% agree with you on that. Like, I like the Jeff McNeil type players, the guys who who always hit over 300 throughout their careers. Now he's struggling a little bit this year, but yeah, you know, you want some of those guys on your team for sure. And and I think we've seen baseball again this year. There's this precipitous drop in hits and batting average, and another increase in strikeouts. That's why they're talking about you know pushing the mound back a foot in the in the Frontier That's- League. Um, in the independent ball. So like they're trying to find ways to, to make the ball and play more to help hitters out. But I am with you. There's obviously been a shift away because power's in the air because you want to get on base and work counts and draw free passes and everything too. But there, you need a balance. You need guys that can do both. You, you there's Tony Gwynn doesn't really exist in baseball now, but you need a Nick Madrigal or a Jeff McNeil or a Matt Duffy or something else combined with the guys like Javi Baez and Wilson Contreras and stuff. The best lineup is going to be one that has a blend of those guys that can complement each other. Andy, I, I, I heard what Tony said. I, I wish I didn't hear that, but I, I heard it talking about moving the, the mound back. You know, it's and I mean, they've been playing this game for over 150 years. And if there's any perfect game when it comes to dimensions, it's the game of baseball. Like when they when they drew up sixty feet six inches, who know who who knew that that would have been the perfect, just I mean just the perfect storm when it comes to distance ninety feet, all the way around. Who who would have known? And when you, when you look at them moving the mound back, and they're saying, well, all these pitchers they just throw too hard. Well, guess what? All these hitters that have come up over the years, when you're twelve years old, twelve year olds now see faster pitching than 12-year-olds did 25 years ago. 16-year-olds see faster pitching. 18-year-olds, there's 18-year-old kids in high school that are like, there's, there's a handful of dudes that throw low 90s. You didn't see a bunch of, a whole high school staff back even in the 90s that threw in the 90s. You have one dude, maybe two dudes in a whole conference who pump Ched like that, and that's just not what you see. So when they say, oh, well, these guys can't hit the pitchers. They're, too, they're throwing too fast. Well, maybe the approach is all wrong. Don't change the dimensions, change the approach. If you can't hit that, then maybe stop trying to swing to try to hit a 600 foot home run and just put the ball in play because home runs are byproducts of solid swings. Andy, go. And and to that end, like like you were like like we were mentioning, we said like there's a reason Matt Duffy's hitting in the three hole, right? It, like, you know, there's a reason why he's not hitting eighth, seventh, or eighth in the lineup. You know, it's because if he gets on base and then you do have Javi Baez, Anthony Rizzo, those guys come up and they do go long. Well, that's two runs instead of one. To your point, um, uh, Cole, like you were saying, like solo home runs are rally killers. Well, two run home runs, three run home runs. If you're getting if those guys on to- at the, the top of the order are getting on, you're producing more runs. Um, and so, so like there's that, that, that balance, right. That Tony was talking about. You have to have that, like, you can't bury a guy like Matt Duffy in the seven or eight hole. Um, because then, you know, if he gets on base and then you got the pitcher, well, then, you know, you'd likely you have to bun him over. Maybe you get lucky like an Edward Alzali gets a hit uh, the other night. But, you know, you just want that so that those guys, that those run producers can get those RBIs, can get those knocks. Um, and, yeah, it's it's just – it's it, the, the maybe the approach does have to change. I don't the, – the the whole moving the mound back, that's – all those different things are, are way above my pay grade, way above – I'm not, I'm not here for that. I'm not, I'm not I, here yeah, for the mound and, to move back. And truthfully, I don't have an argument for or against because I like I, I wouldn't know uh, whether or not I'm making a good argument or not. Um, but that's that's for maybe Theo Epstein to figure out um, in in his new role as a as a what is it assistant to the commissioner or special assistant to base uh, Major League Baseball. 
assistant to the director of morale for Major yeah. League Baseball. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's the quiet storm, Ian Happ, assistant to the director of morale. But, you know, a, a, another guy who has been scuffling just a little bit, Tony, and, and he's had traditionally slow Aprils. It's Anthony Rizzo. We, we've seen him in the leadoff hole. You know, he said he's not very comfortable there. But, you know, the last two games that he's been at that one spot, he, he's, he's produced. He's gone out there and he's had quality at bats. He's put the ball in play. And you know, if he doesn't like it, well, you know, I don't want to say too bad. Anthony, you've been playing well there. So when, when the team can go out there and they can and they can scratch some runs across and they can get a win, whether or not it's it's a if a guy is comfortable in that position or not, I mean, are you comfortable getting wins? Because at the end of the day, you know, everyone says, oh, we want to go out there and have fun. But what, what's the, the the most fun scenario? Winning ball games. Yeah, he said that. Rizzo said that. Like he's he would hit there the rest of the year if it meant they were winning. If that was nice. what was best for the team. Okay. Maybe it is. I don't know. I, I do ultimately think that Hap is best suited for the leadoff spot long term. I think Nico Horner is also a, a future option or maybe even later this season or we've already seen him there a couple of times this week. But Ross said he envisions Ian Hap as the guy that's getting on base when he's right. It's just a matter of getting him right, getting him back to that 2020 version right now. But yeah, Rizzo is a guy that has really performed well in that spot since he's been in you know the greatest leadoff hitter of all time, as he joked about it. I think Fernando Tatis actually has a higher OPS in leadoff games now than than Rizzo does. So he's the second greatest leadoff hitter of all time and the greatest relief pitcher of all time. But Rizzo it will do whatever it takes to, to win. So, yeah, right now that is leadoff. I think that's good. But long term, I don't I think the Cubs are best suited when you know we talk about Duffy in the three hole. I think that's the perfect spot for Rizzo because it breaks up the, the righties. You know, when you're talking about Contreras, Duffy, Brian, Tavi, those are four righties in a row. And it's a little bit easier to game plan for the other side when you're talking about bringing a righty in from the bullpen and the three batter minimum and all of that. So I think ultimately the Cubs are better suited with Rizzo there, but you know what, when, when a team gets shut out three times in five games, like I totally understand why there's a, you know, a switch that Ross has to make and, and flip and, and try to get something going And Rizzo at the top of the order. Is that something right now? All right. Well, you talked about breaking things up a little bit. Let's uh, break things up a little bit right here on the Cubs weekly podcast, right around the corner. We're going to get to the pitching staff. We're going to talk about the rotation, the bullpen and all parts in between that much, much more coming up next right here on the Cubs weekly podcast. But first things first time now for a commercial message from our lovely sponsor, Wintrust. Take it away. At Wintrust, we know true fans show their team pride every chance they get. With Cubs checking, you'll score a Cubs debit card so you can show your support every time you pay. Open today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs Weekly. $100 required to open. Member FDIC. All right, thanks for that message from Wintrust, our proud sponsor here on the Cubs Weekly Podcast. But now let's dig into the pitching staff because uh, taking a look at everything that's gone on so far, Tony, I, I have to say I I'm a little bit worried. I'm somewhat apprehensive when I see Kyle Hendricks and Zach Davies go out there on the mound. I'm more apprehensive with Zach Davies, a little less with Kyle Hendricks. I believe that Kyle Hendricks will work things out. Maybe it's because I've seen a whole lot of a whole lot more of him in action. But with Zach Davies, I mean, I, I hope he's able to right the ship. But, I mean, he's out there. He's, he's throwing 86. He's not hitting spots. His change, And you see guys just sitting back, almost double clutching and, and licking their chops. And the, the results from the opposition right now, it's not what you want to see if you're the Cubs or Zach Davies. Yeah, it's not. Certainly, it's it's not what 
the anybody was expecting. Davies is a guy who was fifth in the National League in ERA last year. It was like 274 or whatever it was. And there were realistic like prop bets going around. Is Davies or you Darvish going to have a, a lower ERA this year? And I think there was actually a reasonable argument to make. Darvish is the better pitcher. He's the Cy Young runner up. But it was certainly possible that Davies could have had a, a you know comparable ERA this season. That hasn't worked out. This is you know I believe the worst month of his career ERA wise this season, and it's certainly a surprise it, to him to to the Cubs. You know he looked really good in spring training. Remember he went like eight and two thirds innings or nine innings before giving up his first hit through the first three or four spring outings as well. So he like Jock Peterson are two guys who were like awesome in spring as the newcomers going to really endear themselves to this new team and market. And then the season flipped and they just haven't been able to perform that way. So, yeah, I, I think the big key is wondering if Wilson Contreras helped Davies find something in his last start, you know, a couple innings in told him to, to slide down on the mound a little bit. So maybe that would help. I'm not sure, but I definitely I'm with you on Kyle Hendricks. It's a concern, obviously, at this point that he has a seven and a half ERA through April, but he's going to write the ship and he'll figure it out. It's just a matter of mechanics and things being a little bit too flat right now. But Hendricks has proven time and time again that he might have a tough stretch, but he'll he'll rebound and get back. And his numbers at the end of the year will be there just like they are for a guy like Anthony Rizzo. Yep. Andy, how about a guy like, like Jake Arietta? I mean, this is a dude who can put out a fire with a gallon of gasoline. I mean, he comes out there, he gets after it. He's gone three times this year where he's thrown six innings for the staff. And it's it seems as if every time he's on the mound that, that you have that feeling, okay, this is going to be a W today. You, win day from last year was when you Darvish was on the hill. Win day this year is when Jake Arietta is out there towing the rubber. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you, you get a little sense of confidence if you're the Cubs when Jay Gary takes the mound. You're like, all right, like we know what we're going to get out. We're going to get five or six innings at least uh, of quality ball. I mean, that Brewers game where he pitched uh, he, against Brandon Woodruff, he was going toe to toe with Brandon Woodruff, who's one of the, the better pitchers right now in baseball. And, yeah. and, and and he gave the Cubs a chance to win. And that's all you can ask for. Right. And, and I think if you would have if you would have given the numbers that Jake Arrieta has right now, if you would have told the Cubs at the beginning of the season through the month of April, this is what. Um, Jake Arrieta will do like you would have taken that in a heartbeat um, just given the last few seasons where he was battling injuries and you know just wasn't quite 100 uh, percent he is proving to be well worth what what the what the Cubs gave him and what the Cubs expect from him he's been he's been a great great offseason signing and and yeah it's it's quickly becoming a, a win day when Jake Arrieta takes the bump yeah and how about Albert Alzelay we, we saw him on Thursday night Tony he went out there I mean did everything that was asked of him. He was just one strikeout short of a career high. And, you know, we talked about it here in, in the Marquee Sports Network studios as games were going on. You know, we saw him last time out, went four and two thirds. He got yanked with runners on the corners. And then, you know, things went awry. You know, Sean Marshall and I talked, you know, sometimes you have to let those young pitchers build up that competitive callus. How are you going to know how to get out of some of those innings if you've never had the chance to get out of those innings? If every single time when you run into a little bit of trouble, even if your pitch count isn't high, you're getting the, you're getting the hook. So to see, to see Albert Alzali go out there and be able to do what he did last time out, I mean that's impressive. Especially when you know that he and Jake Jake Arrieta are the two velocity guys in this lineup. Because I don't know, I, I haven't done the research, but something tells me if you, if you had to look league wide and gauge a team, the team that's at the top velocity wide and the team that's at the bottom, the Cubs have to be number thirty in in team velocity when it comes to the rotation and the bullpen. Because I mean, what is is there what two guys? maybe three that, that throw over 95. I mean, you have Alzali will pop that every once in a while. Uh, Dylan Maples, 
and then Craig Kimbrell. I mean, who else? Yeah, I, I Jason Adam could be four, um, but he's not up now. Justin Steele exactly. is up now. So, yeah, I think certainly that was something that they expected and knew coming in. That was why the word pitchability was thrown around so much about this rotation. But, yeah, Elzelai was so impressive because when he faced the, the Braves, it was like you would get to two strikes and you knew against a right-handed hitter that it was a slider low and away and the Braves hitters clearly knew it and they couldn't do anything about it anyway. They were yeah. still swinging. Nope. There was a full count pitch. I, I don't know if it was Darno or, um, or Swanson. I can't remember who it was, but I was like, you know, it's obvious what's coming. Like, you know, it's going to be this slider low and away just off the zone. I think it was Austin Riley and he swung through it anyway, because that slider is nasty. It was a pitch. Yep that isn't even a year old in terms of when Elzlai developed it last year, you know, in South Bend uh, at the alternate site, but it, it's dynamic and it's changed him. He's already had really good stuff. The velocity that you mentioned, but guys like Matt Duffy and Jake Marisnik who faced him for the first time in spring training and live VPs, they were raving about the stuff that he has. And Duffy said he has some of the best stuff in the league. So yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a huge difference when you're talking about guys like, you know, Kyle Hendricks or Davies who are only throwing 89, 90 miles an hour to have somebody like Elzelai come in, but just in general to have this piece for the rotation moving forward, this young 26 year old who is on his way up and clearly ascending. I think it, it bodes well for the team, you know, both this year and long-term. Yeah. And one thing that really helps him out when it comes to throwing that, that wipeout slider is the fact that, he started 17 of 24 batters that he faced yesterday or you know, we're recording this on, on Friday, on Thursday evening, he, he threw first pitch strike to 17 of 24 batters. So when you can get ahead, you can stay ahead. And that's what we saw from him. And that's probably one of the main reasons why he went so deep. And, you know, I, I expect next time he goes out, if he pitches like he does or he, like he has been, maybe we'll see him go seven. I mean, maybe you just stretch it a little bit. Maybe you can, you can let him uh, surpass that 100 pitch threshold and let him get there and, and show you what he's made of. And then, and then once those, those seven inning games, when you throw 109 pitches, sometimes if you're a little more efficient in the first, second, third inning, then maybe that turns into eight. And then eight, eight innings turns into a complete game. And, that, and that's how you have to build, like you said, that competitive callus. You have to know how to get there before you actually get there. I mean, if you're not allowed to be able to exercise some of those, some of those small fine-tuning muscles, then you're not going to be able to actually put them to use when the time is called for it. But you talked about Steele, McGill, these guys coming up. I mean, it just seems as if some of the reinforcements are up from that, that alternate site, Tony. We've seen Adam and we saw Workman sent down. And, you know, Adam, you know, he has that velocity, but it just seems as if he was wearing it the other night out there. And, and base is loaded, base is cleared. Base is loaded again. And before you know it, you know, he, he's out of there. Yeah, Adam is a guy that the Cubs were very high on. They picked him up last year. He did a lot of work at the alternate site. He did something very similar to Dylan Maples in terms of, you know, having that kind of like the ball hiding behind your ear and throwing. What, what do you have, part. a broken finger, Tony? What's going on? You got your finger taped yeah, up? I do, yeah, actually. What, how, how'd that happen? Playing flag football. I was trying to be Justin Fields out there, and it didn't work out. <laughs> But, all right, go, go ahead. Talk about yeah. the, talk about the, the youngsters. Right. I'm not throwing any fastballs anytime soon, so it'll be all right. But uh, but yeah, I think you know Jason Adam was a guy they were very high on. He does have options left, so he'll go down to Iowa. He'll figure things out, and and the Cubs, you know, hope he'll be 
back at Wrigley Field. Brandon Workman is, is a little bit more of a surprise because this is a veteran who pitched with the Red Sox and the competitive AL East for a while. He was a former closer. In 2019, he was one of the best relief pitchers in all of baseball with, a, with an ERA under two. So he was a guy they were counting on to be a big part of the team. And they designated him for assignment. So as we're recording this, we don't know if he's going to pass through waivers. He might have thrown his last game for the Cubs already here. So definitely a surprise. But I, I do think it's interesting with you talked about the, the velocity, but bringing up guys like Steele and McGill, two guys that have been impressive all spring, both you know when they had the opportunity in South Bend or in spring training, and then a little bit of opportunity here in the big leagues. So I, they can, they're both guys that can dial it up to 96. McGill can go a little bit higher to the 98, 99 type of range. And I, I think it's interesting to see what's going to happen. You know, McGill is that big, tall righty. Steele has about five pitches and the former starter mix from the left side. So to see what these guys can do moving forward is certainly going to be an interesting part of this team moving forward as well. Because like we talked about with Elzali, you need some bullpen pieces in for the future as well. And these are two guys that can absolutely be that. Andy, how about some of the other reinforcements, some of the guys at bullpen cats down at the alternate site that, that could be impactful as the season unfolds? Yeah, the, the one I'm kind of uh, most curious about for sure is guy that was just placed on the 60-day 60, 60 uh, injured list, Rowan Wick. I think it's going to be – if the Cubs can stay in the mix in, in the in the NL Central mix, you're going to look at when, when Rowan Wick comes in, it's going to be like, an, like a midseason signing or midseason trade. Like he's it, – it, That's still that intercostal, correct? Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. It okay. is the, the injury. Yeah. So he's, he's, he's out. Um, but if he comes back and is healthy and he can perform to kind of the levels we saw in 2020, he can definitely be a really nice bullpen arm. Um, and then you start looking at some of the guys, Kyle Ryan looked nice when he, uh, when the, the one game he pitched up in the big, big leagues before he was sent back to the all site, there's just a lot of, uh, a lot of really high potential pieces um, in the, in the Cubs system as they're coming up to the major leagues. And one thing that's been really encouraging for the Cubs has been, kind of what these guys have done through the pitch lab, through the alt-site work, through the minor league. Like, you you know when they when they come back up. Like, I think when Jason Adam comes back up, I think he can be – he's going to be a lot better than when he was when he first came up or, or when he was first up. I think that's one thing that we're going to see as maybe a theme, and I think Justin Seal is going to be a little bit more improved if we see him when, when he's up now. Uh, Trevor McGill, we've obviously seen some signs of. Like, I think there's just – something i don't know what it is i don't know what's in the i don't know what's in the water right at the outside or or at the developments uh system with the cubs but the pitchers when they're when they come up here and we saw it last year with Edward Alzali, like we talked about with the slider like we there's, there's just something there that that is going to improve these guys and, and be beneficial for the cubs you know because bullpens are so volatile volatile like you just need you just don't know who's going to come up yeah now when it comes to the, the the guys down on the farm we know the iowa cubs they're going to be playing some games on Marquee Sports Network, Thursday, May 6th, 7 o'clock on the dot. Just set your calendars, synchronize your watches, do whatever needs to be done because it's going to be an extravaganza that you're certainly going to want to take in. There's going to be 14 games on Marquee Sports Network. So just do yourself a favor and go over to marqueesportsnetwork.com and check everything out when it comes to that agenda. Tony, you know, how fun will this be to see some of these young, fresh faces get on the tube and, you know, be, be somewhat of a breakup? Like you'll be able to watch Cubs games, but then, okay, I'm going to see maybe some of the future of the Cubs. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. It feels like it's been so long. I mean, it is. It's been a full year and a half since we've seen minor league baseball. So it's going to be really cool. And, and to be able to, to watch some of these games on air is going to be awesome. Uh, the, the Cubs have a lot of exciting players in their minor leagues. 
Ed Howard, you know, at the lower level in single A has yeah. never played a professional game. Same with Burrow Caraway, uh, Jordan Nuogu as well. So to see some of these guys, their 2020 draft picks, but then to see other guys, like remember Rafael Ortega was, had an amazing spring training and now he's going to be playing in Iowa and, and, you know, we're going to be airing 14 games on marquee. So that's going to be really cool. And some of the other, the next wave of guys, whether it is pitchers or, or a catcher like PJ Higgins or, uh, you know, Ildemaro Vargas is down there. Some of the other relievers um, like Dakota Meckes and, and uh, Robert Stock, Cole Stewart, Cole Franklin is going to be in the minor leagues as well. And the Cubs are very, very high on him. So I think these guys, it's just I'm really looking really forward cool. to Stewart and Franklin coming up. Those guys, terrific names. Yeah, Cole, but you've yeah. got to change your name. You've got to change the spelling of your name to K-O-H-L. No, they, they do. I'm older. I was, the, I was around first. But theirs is cooler. Yeah, and, and they, they, they maybe can walk in and get some a discount on Levi's at, at their stores, the, na- the namesake. So that, that's that's good news. They have that going for them. Go ahead, Tony. I interrupted you. With no, no, there was, that's it. Yeah, the, the Coles are the guys that I'm really curious about, okay. um, especially Cole Franklin. I think the Cubs are very high on him. But, yeah, to, to see all these guys be able to play again and to see – um, you know, just really in AAA, like Nico Horner was quote unquote in AAA for the first three weeks of the season. And we didn't get to see him play at all. That's not going to be the case now if he's sent down or if anybody's in a rehab stint or whatever else, we're actually going to be seeing that the Cubs are going to see the fruits of all their player development late, you know, labor, like uh, Andy just talked about the pitch lab and, and the pitching infrastructure, everything they have in, in the organization. So it's going to be really cool to see that come to fruition and see some box scores from four or five levels of minor leagues every day now. Andy, how about you? What are you looking forward to the most with the Iowa Cubs being on Marquee Sports Network? Yeah, like Tony mentioned, I'm looking forward just to seeing these guys. I think there's there's a lot of guys that missed out last year on any sort of player development, any sort of baseball action, and just playing, right? And there's so much that, that these minor league uh, games mean to, like not just the players, but then those communities. Like it's going to be awesome for the city of Des Moines to have uh, the Iowa Cubs back. It's going to be awesome when, you know, if there's rehab assignments, like if someone, one of the Cubs, Star Cubs players goes through a rehab assignment, like they're going to go through Des Moines, Iowa. They're going to go to these, these uh, cities and towns that, that, you know, nurture the next wave of Cubs, but could also maybe see some of the, uh, some of the current Cubs uh, in, in the form of a rehab assignment. So there's a lot of great, great things coming up with the minor league system. And I'm excited. Uh, you know, I think we've, we've got to make a, a, a Cubs weekly podcast road trip, maybe uh, so to one of these minor league sites and, uh, and, and check out some of the action for sure. Yeah. Well, if you can find a, a gap in my schedule where I can take a road trip anywhere, <laughs> that, that, that would be fantastic. We might have to wait for the all-star break for that one, because you know, I try to hold it down on the desk. Monday through Friday. I think my next day off is next Thursday. So we'll see about that. But either way, guys, it's going to be fun, just like this podcast was, as always. And our time here has come to a close. So that's going to do it for this edition of the Cubs Weekly Podcast, presented by Trust. And remember, download and subscribe to the pod on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And check us out in the video form on the Marquee Sports Network app. It's the prudent thing to do. So for Andy Martinez and Tony Andraki, I'm Cole Wright. We'll check you out next time.